Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to The Diana Show. This will be my third out of three conversations with Devin Johnson, and I found him to be so educational. I got so much information off of this guy. I really enjoyed it. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I hope you've subscribed, and I hope you enjoy this. Welcome to our world kind of deal. I feel like the question I've had for folks of color is I've said, hey, um, what do you, you know, I feel kind of excited, not like a Christmas morning excited, but I feel excited. And is that okay? Because this is also, you know, it's, it's hard to say that you're excited about people's just hideous stories and things that have happened to them and the oppression that they and their ancestors have, you know, been under. Um, but out, out, you know, without fail, everyone has said, agreed, it is exciting. I'm excited for my children. I'm excited to see, um, white, white folks speaking to me more on the street. I'm excited to see white folks looking me in the eye more and saying, Hey, I see you. And, um, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't realize that that was so important to like, look up, acknowledge, make welcome, um, you know, and I'm glad I know now. I'm glad I know now because I'm different for it. I'll be different for it. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that. That seems to be the the overwhelming response. I'm, 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 as I've said, I am hopeful, but I'm also skeptical. You know, I think a lot of people are, and it's kind of a wait and see, right? We've Mm-hmm. We've we've gone through these outbursts before, and we get there's been a lot of talk, and we make some cosmetic changes, but nothing um, nothing underlying really structurally has happened that can make that can be a, a game changer, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just and it's going to be difficult given our current. Uh, political situation to make any progress so um well that brings me to something i'd love to ask you about um i mean how do you feel about voting i mean how important do you feel like it is for individuals to look into their options and get to the polls or mail in or whatever well, well, I mean, voting is this, this, the only recourse we have. And yeah. I think it, um, n- nothing gets done without the overwhelming um, movement of the people. Um, you know, I mean, you can look back even at the civil rights movement. You know, they, you, it has to be, uh, it has to be a movement. You have mm-hmm. to have a collection of people who are willing to sacrifice to make those stands in order to make, to make the change. Um, I, I can't remember. I think it was LBJ who was telling Martin Luther King, um, you know, I, I believe in this, but you got to make the people believe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and really now the only way we can, it's clear now that people believe because they're in the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and that I think way more people are in the street than, than vote. <laughs> yeah in the pet that have voted in the past so i think i think we're indoctrinating a whole new group of people that are going to be voters in november 
um, just because of what's happening now. So you, you, without, I mean, the thing, the one thing that bothers me about, uh, and I get why this happens, but the one thing that really bothers me about the Colin Kaepernick situation is he didn't vote. You know, he didn't vote that that bothers me, but it yeah. shouldn't make it shouldn't make a difference because what he's still what he's standing for is still right. Yeah. You know? um, but you have to vote. You have to vote. You can't sit it out. I mean, it doesn't matter how. Um, it doesn't matter if you don't like the two candidates. I mean, it doesn't matter if you think it's all political and nothing will change. You know, something A is better than B. There's mm-hmm. got to be. There's nothing is equal like that. Right. So even even if you're a one issue voter on this, you have you have to vote. Yeah. OK, I got to tell you, I've got to confess something. Mm-hmm. I haven't been voting. <laughs> I'm going to pretend mother, I didn't hear that. I know. I'm sorry. And I'm you know, you're going to see if I really have guts or not, if I publish that, because I know I'm going to take a bunch of shit, especially with my mother. So my mother and father are Vietnam era, and my mom had to fight to be able to vote when she was 18. And, um, you know, I feel it. I've always felt like my parents have been, have they set such a killer example for me as being humans and I kind of have dropped the ball, not kind of, I sort of in a lot of ways dropped the ball and made some poor decisions in my life, but they always, you know, from the time I turned 18, they would take me with them and make a point of taking me to the, our polling station and, and voting. But, um, I married a guy who was very, 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 uh, like very, very political. And in a way that I didn't feel comfortable. And so I just fell out of it. I just kind of was like, Ugh, I don't want to have anything to do with politics. I don't want to have anything to do. I don't want to look. I just want to do what I'm good at, which is being a mom, doing my job, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And more recently, I've realized and been thinking a lot more about how important it is to, because really, like you said, that's the only recourse we have is to get out there and it, you know, take, I mean, it takes, it's effort. It takes the time to, you have to take the time to educate yourself. You actually have to watch some things and read some things and talk to some people and politics aren't comfortable. You know, I had some friends over and one set of friends got in a fight with this other couple set of friends and they're talking about, you know, their different beliefs and, oh, it just, it's very uncomfortable for me. Yeah. And so to kind of get to the bottom of that, I've realized like I got to get uncomfortable, you know, it's really important to vote. And I unfortunately think there's a lot of people like me who wouldn't admit it, but, um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it, it can, I mean, I think the theme here is uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of crosses a lot of the topics that we've been talking about. Yeah. And it, in order to progress, you have to be uncomfortable. I mean, mm-hmm. you, otherwise you're, and I think this is my wife's point is, you know, we haven't done enough because we've just been okay. A lot of people have been okay with the status quo. Like, yeah. And you mentioned it earlier too. Like, Hey, you know, I, this, this doesn't come into my everyday life. It doesn't even Mm-mm. poke a hole in it. So I have to think about it at all. Mm-hmm. So in order to, to, to move ahead, you have to pro- to progress. There has to be that that realization that something is wrong, and I'm uncomfortable with it. In order to make it change, um, and 
it really comes, and you know, that brings me to another point, which also makes me angry is the voter suppression that we just witnessed in, in Georgia and the things that were happening in Atlanta where, uh, you know, where the Republicans have, I hate to say it, you know, be partisan, but the way they've gutted the voter, the voter rights, the voting rights act, mm-hmm. um, and close all these polling stations that create super long lines for people who don't have, who have to take time from their day off from their job or take two buses to get to the polling station or find, like you said, childcare, you know, to just to go vote. I mean, why is that not a national holiday to vote? Yeah. And why are we making it hard for people? Well, I think, you know, like to, to again to stay political. Why are we anyway? I mean, why? I mean, in this day and age, when everyone's got a phone, can't we figure out an easier way to vote than having people take two buses? I mean, obviously, there's going to be some people who can't do that. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, there's no real reason we can we can take the census by mail or online. I mean, why can't you vote online? I you think can... I think I know the reason. Do you think you know the reason? Well, I think our president has said the reason. Yeah. Because if they allow people to vote, I mean, if they open them voting to people, if they open access, that his party's going to lose. Yeah. And so they want to restrict the vote in certain areas. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, that's how you oppress people. Yeah. And, you know, when you look back at some of these movies, I think we watched um, Selma the other night. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have this scene where it's got all these, like, good-looking black guys. And they're young and they're pumped up and they're standing around the actor that's portraying Martin Luther King Jr. And they, you know, they all pop. I'm very interested in, like, how movies are made and how they're edited and, you know, the the shots. And my son did a big program. So it really called my attention to all of it. So I'm watching and they're like, well, is this the problem or was this the problem or was this the problem? And they, uh, do you remember the scene where he's basically like, if they could pay their fine, you know, they, they have to pay like a poll fine or a poll fee or something the like that. Poll tax, yeah. I'm not doing this scene justice at all. It's so good. So it was, it was great, but it really made me realize you know, it made my eyes kind of bug out all the things that people had to go through just to cast a vote in this stinking country. And then when you think about how in some ways it's not so different now. And and why isn't it just easier? Why all of us just can't have a voice and say, I don't know. It's confusing to me. Yeah. I mean, there was all, there were all kinds of things that they did to keep people from voting mm-hmm. back in the day. And, and, you know, now it's a lot more subtle as it all happens in in in, in Washington, really, because mm-hmm. um, because before it could be localized where you'd have people doing poll taxes or imp- asking. I think there was a there was a test, right? You had to be you had to answer some questions about the Constitution or something. Yeah. And then and then there was also the intimidation where people would show up and, and keep people from registering your vote or. Right. And, intimidating them if they tried to go to the polling station Mm -hmm. but now it's all done you know behind the scenes behind the scenes and uh with with congress or with supreme court or 
what have you, but it has the same effect. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't, I don't remember that scene, but I I do remember crying like a baby at the end of that movie. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I mean, it has it has. I mean, not not only because of the movie itself, but you know, I didn't mention this earlier, but when my dad was in medical school in Tennessee in the '60s, he marched. Um, he did the sit in the sit-ins at the lunch counter protest. Mm-hmm. He marched to downtown to uh, city hall in Nashville after the, the civil rights attorney's home was bombed. Wow. Uh, his, I have his photo on my wall here. Of, it's a famous March. Um, it's called the silent March in Nashville, Tennessee. And my dad is like a few rows back behind, uh, not Diane Nash and Bernard Lafayette and C.T. Vivian, who were some of the leaders of the uh, the movement in the South, in in, in especially in Tennessee, uh, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, um, especially, and so they're going to medical school in the Jim Crow South, and also marching in civil rights uh, protests. And to me, it scrambles my mind to think about what kind of a burden that is on 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 somebody, you know, having to study for medical exams and sneak out and, and protest and get spat on, spat upon, and mm-hmm. beaten or arrested or whatever, um, just for your just for your right to be a human being and be treated yeah. like somebody else. So that movie had a big impact on me because I think. You know, I think about him and his colleagues and people who I call my uncles that he went to school with mm-hmm. doing those things for yeah. for us and things that I don't have didn't have to do, you know, mm-hmm. making those sacrifices. And it's, uh, it makes me God just so proud of him, mm-hmm. so proud to be his child. Yeah, uh, and so, uh, God, just that whole group of people who were doing those things. It's it's not. I mean, it's not much different than today. In fact, today I saw a video from Doctor. He's either Doctor or Reverend or both, Jim Lawson, mm-hmm. um, who well, I don't know if he was in if his character was portrayed in Selma, but I know it was portrayed in. Um, another movie with uh, Forrest Whitaker who he played a, a butler in the White House. Oh, yeah. Right. So, and I think, uh, what's his name? Jesse, the guy from um, the guy from Grey's Anatomy played Jim Lawson in that mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. So Jim Lawson was the one who really worked with John Lewis and some of the other guys representative John Lewis now, obviously, um, who worked with them and trained the students how to 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 protest nonviolently, right? And you know, he they he and Martin Luther King learned those tactics from Gandhi, and mm-hmm. brought them to the, the nonviolent protest for the civil rights. And today, I saw just today I saw this video of him talking about how these protests are the most coordinated, organized, powerful civil rights protests that our nation has ever known. Yeah. So you see, I think about these civil rights protests in the 50s and 60s going on 
and how much those that means to me and how much those people sacrificed and how, what a difference that they made. And I correlate that to today and going, okay, this is something pretty dang special. Yeah. And, you know, I, I agree. And for him to acknowledge that one of the founders and, and organizers and coordinators of those mm-hmm. marches to acknowledge and recognize today's activities as such, I think is very profound and lends a whole different perspective on what's going on. Yeah. And sometimes it's kind of hard to see it because you're living through it. Yes. Like I'm, I'm like, are we, is this, are we making history right now? Are our kids going to look back and be like, wow. And you know, 2020 when, you know, everything was hitting the fan or everything was coming to a boiling point, you know, I, I mean, I think we are. I think there's history going on right now. I concur. I mean, I, I remember a lot of the different uprisings, I guess, or, uh, for lack of a better word, that, you know, happened after, gosh, Rodney King and Trayvon mm-hmm. Martin and Eric Garner. And then most recently, the one I related to was the women's marches that were going on in 2016. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going, hey, this is pretty cool. This feels different. Mm-hmm. Um, and but but like you're saying, now kind of now has a different tone to it. And this is definitely history. I mean, never. Uh, I think it, because not only. I, I mean, I don't know what lends itself to that. I think the special circuit would kind of have a perfect storm, like we talked about, mm-hmm. with the administration doing what it's doing with COVID-19 doing what it's doing. And on top of this, people seem to have more focus <laughs> on, on these protests and are more motivated. And mm-hmm. n- not only that, but we also have the technology that's really captured uh, a lot of these atrocities mm-hmm. that are happening. And, uh, they've all ha- and some of them have happened in quite rapid succession that uh, have kind of built up to this boiling point where people are fed up. Right. And that's kind of, I think, blown the top off of it, and which is why we have what we have. And I think why we had some of the um, early protests that where there was violence that erupted. And I think that those are just tangential stories to really the peaceful marches that that, that they really were inher- mm-hmm. inherently and are really just a distraction from the movement, because I think nobody, nobody, nobody claims those things. Um, and I think that, you know, the right uses those interactions to say, to kind of disown what's happening as genuine, mm-hmm. but, but this is very, this is very different than anything that's happened. And I, just to circle back, I think that Jim Lawson's comments have happened. I don't know if they were today or recently or this week, really kind of summed it up and made it hit home going, yeah, this is something that are, will be in, in the, in the, in the history books that our kids mm-hmm. will talk about and that their kids might talk about um, and hopefully can affect them, can affect the real change that we're hoping for. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this conversation between Devin Johnson and I, I, said in this episode that it's an exciting time and I kind of cringe saying that but is it okay to say that I'm excited um it's definitely okay to say that it's time for a change so 
I really hope you enjoyed this conversation between Devin and I and look forward to hearing more because I really, really, really felt like this was somebody that I could learn a lot from and am excited to move forward in a friendship with him. Thanks for listening.